Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to the Players Lounge podcast. We're well and truly into it and super duper excited today because we get to meet someone who, you know, iconic, I don't know if that refers to him. You can say solvert, you can say dependable. Some even go so far as to say living legend of the game, the Mr. Nice Guy. But how about this? You know, the first international cricketer to play a hundred match is in all three formats. Ross, the boss Taylor, is uh, joining us today. So it'd be great to get some insight from him and also keeping us company and making sure that I stay in line. Graham Swan is uh, joining us on the Players' Lounge podcast. Swanee, can I say how good it is that we're not chatting while you're in a hotel quarantine? You're back home. Yes, absolutely. And it's not exactly hard keeping you in line, Manta. You're good enough Oh, I think it was supposed to be the other way around, right? Oh, I see. Well, that's a tricky (laughs) job. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm back. I'm home. I've done my hotel isolation. Um, I'm Mm. settling back into life in England. It's midsummer, so it's raining and it's cold and everything's good. Everything's normal. I'm looking forward to this. Ross is a great guy. You know, what gets to me about him is just the sheer longevity of his career because it's not as easy in, you know, this generation. It's 15 years and going for Ross Taylor. What is something that over his career, uh, Swanee, that has really stood out for you? Well, I'll tell you what it was. Exactly what you say, the longevity, the fact that you can keep performing at such a high level for such a long time. And a lot of players, when they get to sort of mid-30s or whatever, and their form dips, they never get it back. But I remember when Ross had a bit of dip in form and he came back almost twice the player uh, just a few weeks later. So brilliant player, always a gentleman to play against, never dived into the Scott Styrus type chirping. Mm. So um, (laughs) just, just a good guy all round. And they say that, you know, nice guys always finish last, which doesn't seem to be the case of this generation of New Zealand players. And Ross Taylor is almost like an epitome of that, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, He just quietly went about his game. And and when you're playing a real match winner, um, Mm. you want them almost to get in a fight, get out of their comfort zone, get angry almost. But he didn't let that bother him, didn't let it phase him, just played the game, knew his game. and honestly, I still lose sleep sometimes about that lap sloggy play because you couldn't bowl to him. Just whack it out the ground on those tiny little New Zealand grounds. Oh, not again. Oh, I know. So many people would remember that. Well, let's go ahead and meet Ross the Boss uh, Taylor, uh, especially for all the India fans that are watching. They have such amazing memories of his IPL stints with the RCB, with Rajasthan Royals, but overall, the Mr. Nice Guy of cricket. So tell us a story, uh, Swanee, this is great, right? You've got a bit of a tradition that uh, when you play a 100 test match, you get 100 bottles of wine. How many do you have left? Because on your Instagram page, it says wannabe wine connoisseur. So I want to know how many bottles you went through. Um, to be honest, I've had probably two bottles. Um, and I've given away a couple to um, one of, uh, a sports psychologist. It was his 80th birthday who's had a big influence on my career. Um, and I didn't really know what... Um, present for an 80, 80th birthday and um, it was a test match because all the bottles were named with how many runs and whether we won the test match so there was a there's a bit of significance around that um, so yeah five all up just as we were building up I was asking Swanee you know what a, what is something that has stood out for him in his in your career and he said well he's the nicest guy that you would meet isn't that right Swanee I mean those are the sort of memories that you have in your interactions on the field it is yeah I mean, you, you play against a team like New Zealand and they're genuinely good blokes. You get Scott Starris at Gully spouting nonsense. But um, I was saying, 
Ross was the sort of player that there was no point chirping, there was no point having to go. It just stay phlegmatic, stay calm, and then play that lap slug and smack me out of the park. And I, it, I still have nightmares about that. You should be banned from playing that. You must have played hockey at school or something because those wrists were ridiculous. It's one that you got me out a few times, so you can uh, you can tell me that as well. I don't remember those. <laughs> I just remember Napier getting uh, hit all the time. Come on! You, you know, you, I yorked myself and um, and headingly, and you bowled me through the gate. I was like, oh, how did I miss that? But um, it's funny what you remember. Vicious, in dip. Vicious dip. Vicious dip. <laughs> but that's just the thing. I mean, the nice guy tag, I don't think it has, uh, for some people think that it's not a non-competitive sort of connotation, but that's not true, right? Because uh, this could possibly be the best generation of New Zealand players. And you've seen this rise, Ross, because you're the link between the Stephen Fleming era and the Kane Williamson era. And, you know, you've seen the World Cup finals and you've seen now a World Test Championship final. You've seen some of this generation rise to the top of the rankings. Um, so you really had a great uh, view and played a huge role in seeing the nice guys go all the way up. Yeah, I think at the start of my career, if you'd have told us um, as a team, we would have achieved what we have. Um, you know, I don't think I would have believed you. I think um, when the likes of Stephen Fleming, Nathan Astle, Scott Storis, they all retired at, at the same time and there was a, a big lapse and um, probably a little bit what's going through in Sri Lanka's cricket at the moment. You know, that a lot of... Um, stalwart to the game um, for our country, um, retired. And it was just that field period. Um, and we were lucky that we we had a generation of players all come through at once, I think. Um, not only good players, probably immigrations helped out as well. Um, but, <laughs> hey, but There's nothing wrong with getting South Africans <laughs> to play for your team. We had five or six in our side, so it's fine. Exactly. But um, and they, I guess they all had the hunger and, and desire to, to play as a team. Um, to you know, you lose as a team, win as a team, and um, and then the depth just built from there. And I think it does help when you have world class players, um, in your side to to learn off, um, you know, and Kane and and Brendan, um, Bolte, Tim. You know, I think they've all stood up at different times. Uh, but no, I think the team's still got a little bit of way to go. Um, you know, I suppose you're never satisfied, but um, it's definitely, I wouldn't say it's a surprise, but it's definitely something that I. Um, I never saw at the start of my career us being the side that we are today. You know, Swanee, you speak about transitions and uh, Ross, you, you've been such a senior member of this team. You you go from playing in the final of the 2015 World Cup under Brendan McCullum and playing in the final of the 2019 World Cup under Kane Williamson. You know, that's a transition of leaders. Now, what about the ethos of that team still remain the same? Because you had a real, huge role to play as a senior player. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I think a, a, a lot's made. We obviously have the All Blacks here and, and we've had some great leaders in the All Blacks, but um, they talk about the lieutenants um, and the senior players and how they probably have even more, uh, um, you know, the captain and coach face, uh, face the media, face the public. Um, but it's the senior players in the background that have a, a big influence that you probably don't see. Um, and, you know, the more players we have in that group, um, the better the team's got. Um, I think, you know, when you first start out, there might be two or three players where I think in this current crop of guys, um, you know, there's, there's probably five or six. And it's not necessarily just the things that they do behind. It's it's all the stuff that takes the pressure off the captain, the coach, uh, that you probably don't see that just makes their job just that little bit easier. You just actually mentioned the World Cups, Mounty. I want to put an apology out to Ross and all the New Zealand team <laughs> because, believe it or not, the first day they landed here in England... For the World Test Championship, Sky Sports put a replay of England beating New Zealand <laughs> on TV. I'm sure it was a coincidence. I'm hoping it was because it's it's horrific otherwise. And I apologise on behalf of my nation. We beat you on boundary countback, for goodness sake. We lost twice, basically. If it was deliberate, then that's brilliant too, I think. Um, it's whoever, whoever thought of that um, are obviously... Uh, you know, have got a got a sense of humour, uh, but I think as I, I read somewhere that um, you know we know the result, uh, so we don't need to watch it. Ah, that's brilliant that you said. That's like okay, Swanee, let's not talk about this again. Let's not ask him about this again. <laughs> but I mean, it must be hard, Ross, because you must be asked this question everywhere you go. Oh, how epic was that final? But. You know, they weren't involved with the kind of emotions that you're... T- I was there, I was on the ground, and we saw all of your faces. I mean, you're men of steel to go through something like that. Yeah, I think um, everyone dealt with it in their different ways. Uh, probably took me a week, I reckon, to get over. Um, just 
the emotions of what happened. I was backing up the throw that Guptill threw in from the boundary and and I still um, I still have Colin de Gronholm on about it to this day that he should have backed up in a triangle. We were, t- we were taught that as um, kids, you don't back up right behind for the deflection, but um, maybe not off the bat. And But in the flip side of that, um, you know, I had my family over there and we went, um, I thought, I thought we needed to get out of England, um, because we had a, a flight a few days later. So we went to Paris, um, but there's English people over there as well. So, that, um, we couldn't get away from it, um, under the Eiffel tower, um, Indian fans coming up and saying commiserations. So, uh, wherever you were, um, especially, especially the last, um, you know, the week directly after it, um, there was a lot of motion and, and people were just, you know, trying to be nice. But uh, if anything, probably just keep bringing up some bad, if not good memories. Well, the good thing about it, if there is one from your point of view, is at least a Kiwi got out of the match in Stokesy. I mean, that was that was good. <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, I, I played with um, I played with Stokesy at Durham in 2010. And I, um, I asked our CEO at the time, I think we should get this guy. Um, he was on the cusp of... Um, of English Lions, but uh, he's definitely made a, a, the right decision because uh, I don't think if he played for New Zealand, he wouldn't have got those big contracts at IPL if he was playing in the New Zealand cricket team. Oh, fair enough. But hey, listen, you brought up IPL, uh, Ross. You Isn't the RCB fans who called you Ross the Boss or does that nickname come from somewhere else? Because they just love you, that knock against KKR. People still speak about it. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a, something that I'll never forget. And when you go to a foreign current, uh, country and, um, and to be embraced like the the people of um, Bangalore and Chinnaswamy did, um, you know, to go out in front of 45,000 people and they yelling their names. This was the days before Coley was the superstar that he was. Um, he was just a young up and coming player. And um, I can remember Kumbla and Dravid saying, these guys love you. And, and obviously for that to come from them, who were um, obviously great to the game all over the world, but uh, you know, they're, they're the favorite sons of, of Bangalore and Karnataka. Um, and for me to, um, have got their reception. Um, yeah, something I'll never forget. And it's probably the reception that AB gets every time he goes out to bat um, there now. Did you remember the kind of reception you got when you were wearing a Rajasthan Royal kit and you played in Bangalore? Because I think there's still conflicted emotions <laughs> when you yeah. step out in the IPL. Yeah, it was a, it was a, I was lucky or unlucky because the, the day we played there, it, it rained. So I still haven't played at Chinnaswamy um, as a foreign um, playing for Pune or or Delhi, um, but no, I, I, it's not even IPL. I think uh, the those were the days when um, Champions League were around, and you get to play um, against other nations, um, teams who won the competition. So uh, no, I definitely have fond memories, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to play in, for four teams. But uh, RCB and the three years that I had there will um, definitely have to be a highlight. For me. So you played for four teams. Who was the best out of the four? Come on, upset. Half of India now, right now. Tell us. No, no. I, RCB. <laughs> well, I had I had three I had three years there. I had um, had great fun at, at uh, Delhi also, uh, but no, I, RCB um, hands down. Um, saying that Rajasthan was good fun. Uh, yeah. Now, now I'm starting. Now I'm starting to get. Now yeah. I'm starting to get splinters. <laughs> Um, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Ross, if you don't say Rajasthan, it's not the fans that will be upset. It'll be Graham me. Swan sitting there. I, I can't the believe, biggest Rajasthan I can't believe Royal I've not fan. got my Rajasthan jersey on, actually. I don't know where it is. Where is it? You've let us down. I'm pretty sure my husband's is like somewhere like right here, you know? So, Swanee, I'll beat yeah. you on that. I haven't again. unpacked yet. I've just got back. My kit is still <laughs> in the corner. It's going to be there for a month. Yeah, God, I can imagine. But let's go back to the beginning a little bit uh, because all of us knew, at least, you know, I'm talking from the Indian perspective here. Uh, Ross, that all, all of us were very aware of the fact that you were just, you know, the second cricketer of Samoan heritage to play international cricket for New Zealand. I, I read a little bit about your childhood, and there was a phase that you and Jesse Ryder, who's half Maori, if I'm not wrong, where you kind of grew up together and uh, you were playing cricket, and then it was difficult to get cricket equipment, but your family rallied around you. So just tell me a little bit about those days. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, I guess my mother's Samoan, my dad was Kiwi. Um, and Samoans traditionally go for the rugby rugby league group, I guess slightly bigger in build, um, but I was a bit of a weed when I was at school. Um, so mum uh, mum told me, no, uh, you're not allowed to play rugby. So I played, ho- so I played hockey and um, hockey and cricket. Uh, I guess that's where the risk comes in and um, everything just 
I didn't really have an offside game at the start of my career. Um, but yeah, so growing up, um, yeah, mum and dad didn't have a, have a lot. So no, I was fortunate enough to grandparents brought my first cricket bat. Um, and I've been sponsored by Gunnar Moore ever since, uh, since 13, I got my first sponsorship and been, wow. been with them ever mm-hmm. since. And just fortunate enough, um, still like a kid, a kid in a candy store, got a couple of brand new bats that just arrived in the, in the hotel room, which I look forward to using. But, um, yeah, there was, there was a few moons ago now and, um, no, I'm very, very lucky to be where I am. Uh, so yeah, I think. Um, you know, my family has sacrificed a lot, but uh, my grandparents and, and getting those bats in those early days is, um, you know, hopefully I've done them proud over over the years. It's amazing that, you know, with the Samoan and Kiwi background, you're not playing rugby. I bet that's unheard of in New Zealand. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know, my, my family, uh, um, you know, we're, we've got cousins who played in the Warriors, um, played in the Samoan team and, and in the All Blacks. So yeah, for me to go a different route, um, probably, you know, nothing against Samoan side, but it was my, um, my dad's, the Kiwi side that got me into, um, into, into cricket. But, uh, I guess there's still the Samoan flair and, and things that comes out every now and then. I believe it was in boarding school where people started to notice a swagger about you when you were about 17, 18. Is that right? Oh, that, what was the swagger? Um, I did read my, my coach at the time uh, said that uh, in an interview before I think my 100th test. I did, I did read it. I got sent it and I was like, jeepers, I, I, d- I didn't see it myself if that, if that was a case. I suppose I was, I was confident enough in myself that I felt like um, – this is the avenue I wanted to take and play cricket. Um, a swagger. If if my grandmother saw that, she would have hit, she would have bet it out of me. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, do, I don't don't know. There's there's a I've got a bit of a hunchback as it is, so maybe that's the swagger um, with my humpback of Notre Dame. I always this always makes me laugh how how in India the like, swagger is seen as a really positive thing. In New Zealand <laughs> or England, if you say you're You've got a swagger. It means oh. you're a show pony. It means yeah, you're giving uh, it the heart. It's the worst <laughs> thing. Yeah, no, there's a few things that could offend me. Uh, swagger. Um, <laughs> a bit, a bit. So at, at 17, um, I can understand it. Hopefully, hopefully not now. <laughs> so some of the other things that I was reading, I, I mean, I, I would love to hear about your relationship with someone like Martin Crowe because I know he's, you know, he had, you had great chats with him. He was... Uh, very insightful information and I'm sure there were emotional moments when you know you went past his record but again this is hearsay I read somewhere that the first time he saw you he's like dismissed you as a dirty slogger is that right what's the story now yeah um is he's got a slightly different take on it um but my, <laughs> my, take, my take on it is um is the truth um but yeah so my manager Leanne knew Martin um from her, her days uh, as a, as a sponsor of New Zealand cricket. So she said, Oh, I'm looking after this young kid, Ross Taylor. Can you go and have a look? Um, it was a green seamer in Auckland. So as I probably still do now, you play a little bit more attacking when the ball's got it, you know, it's going to be a ball with your name on it. So I came out, I think I got 40 off uh, 30 balls um, with some very agriculture shots, probably at best. Um Kyle Mills was at, at his prime then. And, um, yes, I I saw him walking around the boundary. So um, I was sort of looking over to see if he's watching. And, um, sent a message to Leanne the next day. She didn't, uh, my manager, and she said, no, I haven't heard anything from him. She was lying. She'd got a message. And it was that this, she didn't want to tell me till after the game that this guy's nothing but a dirty slogger. Um, but the relationship the relationship started from there and um, first love of cricket, second love of wine. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a great mentor to me. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of pressures that come with being a professional cricketer and, you know, a batting coach has the whole team to look after. They can't, you know, specifically look after one player. So I think you need to have players, um, people outside the team to, to bounce ideas off. And he was fantastic for me. Um, and at the same time, he wasn't just, uh, it wasn't a just, a positive coach he, he would tell some home truths every now and then and I respected him for that um because you know you know to get better sometimes you got to um get told the, the the harsh truths and um you know that probably wouldn't resonate with a lot of people but it resonated because I knew it was coming from a, a good place and um what's the best advice you got from him Ooh, um 
technically, probably you know, getting on the balls of your feet, watch uh, watch the ball, um, you know, as closely or, or as, as far away as possible. But you know, cricket's a mental game. I think um, trying to get that uh, in the right space, um, you know, regardless of what type of form you're in, if you're not in a good headspace, uh, you're not going to score runs. Or if you do, it's it's very you're going to be lucky to get them. Um, so just you know, controlling the mind, and um, you know, if you control the mind, then all going well, you give yourself the best chance of success. Ah, controlling the mind. Uh, what about controlling the ball when it's coming at you spinning? I mean, it's almost like you grew up on subcontinental tracks, the way you handle spin sometimes. Swanee, you'd have great insight into this. Uh, how did that come about, Ross? You know, the way that you, uh, was it your footwork? Was it instinct at the start? I think a little bit of instinct, but, um, you know, I think IPL helped a lot. Um, in New Zealand, it would be interesting your take on it, Swanee, but um, when we went to the academy, you'd always hit the off spinner through the leg side. Um, and I can remember talking to Rahul Dravid, you know, one of the greatest two hours of um, on a flight back, uh, flight to IPL 2009. Um, and he was like, no, no, no. Um, you know, you still got to hit the ball through the offside and, and try and beat cover on on both his right and left-hand side. And um, as a Kiwi kid growing up, um, that that never would have come into into our mind. And, and you know, opening up both sides of the ground uh, and not just limiting yourself um, from a def- defence and a scoring um, opposition. I still think India and, and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka are the hardest places to play cricket, but, um, you know, definitely getting those different insights has, has been a big big, big help to me in, in playing uh, spin because, you know, spin's not quite the same. We well, don't have to be on top of your game in New Zealand, especially on those first few days where spinners actually quite often are just a holding holding role to for the seamers to come on and, and do their thing. Well, it's one of those things that it's like a secret that spinners don't want batsmen to clock. A good player's spin will play through the offside against the spin to an offie because they'll be getting to the pitch of the ball. And if you're at the pitch of the ball and you can push, you can defend or drive, you're not letting the wicket play its part. As soon as people try and play with the spin all the time, it takes one ball to do something a bit different and you get them into trouble. So please don't tell all batsmen that because spinners have it hard <laughs> enough anyway. No, but, uh, you know, as you said, you get some gold nuggets every every now and then. And, um, like, I don't even think that's a gold nugget. I feel like that should just be the norm, The norm, I think. Like, every player should be told to try and hit hit both sides of the wicket where, um, you know, as I said, at our, our academy in New Zealand, it was all playing with the spin and things like that where... Um, as, as Swanee said, getting to the pitch of the ball, um, if you do do that, um, you know, your hands and, and the players are so good these days, it, it becomes irrelevant, really. Well, it intrigues me uh, to hear you say that because of the, just the sh- where you bat in ODI cricket, especially if you're playing subcontinental teams, uh, often than not, you might be in a situation where you come in what the spinners come on to play. Now, you have really, Ross, bossed this number four slot and it's a tough one because it requires a mix of what? Technique, Temperament, what are the things, you know, the qualities that going into being a good number four limited overs cricketer? Um, It's a a funny one. Maybe once I retire from cricket, I'd probably say um, bat up the order. That would be the only thing I'd regret, batting at four in my career um, or or in 2020. But uh, no, four four I've enjoyed because um, I think the game's evolved a lot since, since I started 15 over power plays, um, two catches uh, to now where no catches, 10 overs, two brand new balls. Um, I think the biggest thing about batting four in um, ODI cricket is you just got to sum up the situation um, as quickly as possible. I um, mean, you could be two for two for 10 chasing 320 um, or you're trying to set a total. Um, but with the, with the rules, I think more often than not, it's uh, easier said than done. If you can keep your wickets in hand, um, all the grounds around the world, you know, you can catch up. Um, but, you know, you've got to do that hard work. Um, sometimes it's five overs, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 15, um, depending on the day. But um, summing up the situation as quick as possible, whether you're, you're setting a total or, or trying to chase one down, chasing it down obviously um, becomes a lot easier. The, the score's dictated where I suppose setting a total um, and backing you that you the way you've summed it up is, is good. A bit like the semi final against India, I think. You know, we were in trouble and I think a lot of the, the commentators were, what I got told afterwards, were telling us that we weren't um, scoring quick, quickly enough, but we felt like, um, you know, if we can get a total of 240, 250, that we gave ourselves a chance where quite often in that situation, you try and get the two, 270, 280, 
end up only getting two twenty, and you're never going to you're never going to win from there. Well, it is a coveted spot to play, and I, I, does a lot of it rely on partnerships because I know that you and Kane enjoy a very very prolific partnership. Uh, funny enough, not so great running between the wickets. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um. I, I, I don't for know what such it is. two extraordinary players. <laughs> First of all, I've, I've run him out a couple of times, but he's run me out a lot more than I've run him out, I reckon. Um, and I get the blame, but I guess when you're the captain and you bat as well as he did, um, I've just got to cop it on the chin and, and go with it. But um, depending on what mood you're in, you, is depe- depending on how you answer the question, if you're in a good mood, you answer it PC and you're nice. If not, you just say, well, if you bat with someone that long, you're going to get run out um, every now and then. But um, no, there was a stat came up oh, during a game, and uh, Martin Crow and Andrew Jones have got run out more than Kane Williamson and, and I, and they don't get any grief about their running between the wickets. Well, there you go. I've got something that you'll enjoy, actually. You know, in a change room before a game, you have the, the whiteboard, and it's got like bullet points about each player, what you're looking to attack early on. So mostly it's top of off, <laughs> take it away. We always put run out next to you and next to Kane Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of Jimmy Anderson's favourite things. Put run out, no? <laughs> yeah, put run out. Well, it's funny when Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, if there's nothing happening and you block one in there and you say, oh, you don't sledge, but Jimmy would be coming out there. He goes, oh. Get a run out, boys. Get a run out straight away. Have a bit of a smile and, and get on. So um, every, every time. So I'm sure I'm sure that will happen over the next couple of weeks. Invariably, when you're batting and forging those part of kind of partnerships that you and Kane Williams are, are you you do have a lot of chats in between in between overs. What do you guys talk about? Is it just purely cricket, or do you, how do you take the pressure off? You know, uh, let's say a run chase situation or setting a total situation. Yeah, I think everyone's slightly different in the way they go about it. Kane's mm. Kane. When he's batting well, he doesn't doesn't say a lot um, at the start of his career. Where now he talks a lot more, um, you know, about the game. Where, yeah, I, I enjoyed batting with Kane and um, and Tom Latham. They were totally different. Um, but I think the best thing about batting with somebody is is that they actually care. Um, they're trying to calm you down. You're talking about different things, um, and especially at the start of your innings, I think you know when you're you're at your nervous the most vulnerable, I suppose, um, you know, having someone at the other end who has a bit of empathy and is sort of just talking you through that, um, you know, just settles you down and um, get, as once again, just gives you a better chance of, of success and, and telling you what um, what the bowlers are doing. It's good to hear that, actually. I used to play with a guy, you'll have heard of him, Darren Bicknell at Knotts. He was our opening batsman, yeah. left-hander, an older bloke, but his glass was always half empty. <laughs> and I'd go into bat at like six or seven, and he'd often have a hundred. He's a brilliant player. Yeah. You go, mate, you're batting brilliantly. What's it doing? He go, oh, it's doing everything, mate. It's seeming, it's swinging, it's up and down. Oh, well played, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, you've been working with him, but I never forget my debut against. Um, I was playing against West Indies, and Lou Vinson just got a hundred, got out. I still haven't faced a ball in international cricket, and Scott Storris comes out to bat. And I go up to Scotty, nervous as anything. Um, Scott walks out and he goes, I don't glove punch. Uh, that's all he said. <laughs> he did, not, did not say anything else. I, I don't glove I don't punch. Do. Went back. <laughs> we just go. So, you know, there's different, there's different, um, there's different ways of going about things. And uh, Scotty had his, his, his way about dealing with things too. That is so old school Kiwi. That is so old. That's Flem's era, that. Yeah. Swanee, you've worked so much with Scotty in the commentary room as well. I'm pretty sure you can use this against him sometimes. Well, no, I'm actually with him. And, and the whole thing it came from, <laughs> I remember, so Stephen Fleming was my captain at Nottinghamshire, 2005. And the first thing he said in the team in, guys, the one thing we're going to do, we are not glad punching at all. This is not <laughs> happening here. And he said it was because they played England. And England are massive glove punches, always have been. It's embarrassing. The West Indies are cool when they do it. Englishmen are not when they do it. And he said they played a test match in New Zealand, and Scothic and Strauss opening. And the first ball of the test, Trez left it outside off stump, and Strauss, he walked all the way down and glove punched him. <laughs> <laughs> what was that for? Well left. <laughs> and so, yeah, at Knotts, it was banned completely in our changing yeah. room. Yeah, brilliant. Nah. Yeah, well, that, that, that went straight to us. But well, we've come back into, you know, Storis and Flem have gone. We yeah. talked about it. It's, it's and cuddles and in. hugs and everything these yeah. days. Oh, it's embarrassing. 
But actually, you know, uh, Ross, you brought it up, so I'm not going to point it out, but you just brought up the fact that you have been the link from the Stephen Fleming generation to this generation. So uh, how has it changed from being the kid in the dressing room to now being one of the senior members of the dressing room? Do you feel like you're surrounded by kids? Are there some things you just can't understand? Yeah. Because you're a father. I mean, you've yeah, got kids at home. At home. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a generation that are coming through um, yeah. now that the players are coming up and saying that you're my favorite player. Um, that's when I think you know you're starting to get old. Um, and I, you've been taken back by um, – no, I had uh, – we were playing in India ooh, maybe 20, 2017, 2018. We are playing uh, Shri Asaya in a, um, in a warm-up game. And I walked past him and and he was been looking at me and I thought, jeepers, what's going on here? And then he looked over and he walked walked aside and he goes, oh, Ross, um, just wanted to say um, you've been my favourite player since RCB days. And um, and I was I was a little bit taken back because he was playing really well and obviously he'd heard of him and, um, and things. But, you know, to have a have a kid um, or not, you know, he's going to be a superstar in his own right. But for someone to come up and, and say that uh, was, was very humbling and I, d- I didn't really know what to how to take mm-hmm. it. But... Um, no, I guess from then on in, I've, I've taken a big uh, interest in his career to date. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where we are in the New Zealand team. A few of these young 21-year-olds um, were only about four or five when I was made my debut. So um, <laughs> I'll be playing with some of the father. When you start playing with the kids that you're uh, – you know, I think Brendan McCullum's son's not too far away. Then that's when I think it's time to pull pull up stumps and, and move on. Yeah, Tom and Sam Curran playing for England – uh, Kevin Curran, their dad, was my first captain in first-class cricket. Sam wasn't even born, and Tom was three. I'd go and throw little balls to him on the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Just be a good team, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's and now ridiculous. They're rock stars. I know. Yeah. But, I mean, it's nice to um, to see, you know, some of those. And, and hopefully, there's a, as you said before, I think there's quite a few fathers in the team now who have had boys and, and girls, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully in, in the next little while that they can... Um, you know, play for New Zealand, whether it's in the, the men or the women's team and, um, you know, continue their family's legacy on as well. Well, you'll still be playing. In, in 16 years' time, you'll have had four more World Cup finals <laughs> trying to desperately win one. You'll still be there, I'm sure of it. Still... <laughs> I'll be commentating one. Come on. Do your kids have an inclination towards cricket? Because, um, I mean, obviously, they're there for your games and uh, they're there for the special moments. Are they interested in the game? Uh my daughter is Jonty. Sort of, I think mm-hmm. he's starting to get into it. Um, when we come, when we go on tour, when we go on tours, um, there was a stage where I used to come back and um, would tell them, "Daddy, Daddy, come and tell us a story," and you'd have to sort of fabricate a story up a little bit. And I like, tell her, <laughs> "What type? Of, what type of story do you want?" They say, "Cricket story." Um, what type of cricket story? An Indian cricket story. And I was like, I was struggling to come up with anything. <laughs> and my, I said, and I, it was. Half of it's true, half of it's a little bit made up. Um, but uh, my daughter was ten months, and we we're in the, which is true. And Donny and Coley were there, and uh, they were just asking my wife how it was to um, travel with a with a kid. And we were, this was all new to us, so we didn't really know. So I was explaining this, and they were sort of playing with Mackenzie. But I had to add my son Jonty, who wasn't there at the time. And I said, oh, "What was the what was the men's name again?" I said, um, "Donny." And they started laughing. They were like, Daddy, there's no one's name called Donny. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Verat, Verat Coley, oh, Daddy, you're so funny. You're making up. Where do you make these names up from? <laughs> they have no idea that these were the two most famous cricketers in the world. And they thought that Daddy had just made their names up. But it was just, I thought it was quite cool and, and quite an innocent, cute moment that, um, you know, mm. two of the biggest rock stars who, um, of world cricket at the time and, and today, um, that my kids thought that I was making it up. Yeah, kids can be brutal though as well. I remember trying to get my little boy into cricket when he was only four or five, and des- come on, should we go and bowl in the garden? Should we go? Oh, don't really want it, Dad. And then walked in one day, and he was on YouTube watching England cricket, and he said, "Daddy, I want to go in the garden and do some bowling." I went, "Yes, like Daddy." He went, "No, like Uncle Jimmy." <laughs> <laughs> It's absolutely brutal. Yeah, no, that's there's probably a couple of stories I could tell of that, but then I don't know if it would be able to be aired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, 
wouldn't be wouldn't be right. Oh, but it's amazing. Uh, are you able to, you know, both of you, Swanee, we've been speaking about the same thing over the last couple of months now, but how do you play the, you know, the father role when you've been playing cricket for as long as you do, Ross? Is 50, I mean, 15 years professionally, internationally rather, and still going. How do you balance that? Are there times where, you know, it really does get tough? Yeah, I think so. I think the older the kids get, the, the tougher it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they understand it more, but um, in saying that, though, it's we've had it a lot easier than the players of the 70s 80s um 90s you know at least we can skype we can see them grow have photos yeah. if they've get an award at school or got a game or get a goal or things like these little things you get videos so um it's not quite the same because you're not there but you do still feel a, a little part of it um but no i think um you know you're you're, you're doing a job to to try and help help them out in the future and, and set yourself up. But at the same time, it's a pretty cool job to be representing your country and playing around the world and, and doing them proud. Um, and you're a long time retired. And I'm sure once things do settle down mm-hmm. that you'll spend a lot more, more time with them. But um, no, I think um, you, you touched on it before. I think the hundred tests and being able to go out there with my, uh, yeah. my two kids, um, Adelaide didn't play ball. She was a bit frightened by the cameras, but uh, no, that's something that I'll, uh, I'll, de- I'll definitely never forget. Uh, and something I hope that they'll they'll never forget being able to walk out with dad and uh, sing the national anthem in front of thousands yeah. of people. I'll tell you one thing you can look forward to that I've just had this. In fact, it was yesterday. My little boy is only 10 now, so to a delicate age for you know cricket development and stuff. He's decided he's not a leg spinner or a fast bowler anymore. He's now a wicket keeper as well. But being able to just go to the local cricket club as soon as school finished and have half an hour just throwing little catches... And doing those things as a cricketer when you're playing for England and you're away all the time, you just, like Ross said, you get a little video and it makes you homesick. You go, oh, I wish I could have been there just watching that game with the other dads having a pint. But you're actually getting to do these little things. Um, he still doesn't listen to me. I, t- I told him to, you know, <laughs> like, to wear long sleeves and do the old gloves and yeah. throw some fields and shirt, but he's not listening <laughs> to me. No, nah, that's, that's still a couple of years away there. Don't worry, it'll, yeah. it'll come. <laughs> yeah. But Ross, do they do they know who you are? You know what I mean? Like Ross Taylor, the international cricketer. Do do they have any idea the impact that you've had on this game? Um, are they too young for that? I think they, I think they know because of other kids. Um, there's there's not a lot there's not a lot of memorabilia at home or anything. So um, I think my yeah they get to I reckon around that six or seven kids other kids start mentioning things to them that. Um, then they're like, well, it's not just dad, it's, um, you know, dad's famous. Yeah, but what they'll do, that those kids will say whatever their dad said to them. Oh, your mate, your mate is Ross <laughs> Taylor, sir. Ross Taylor got naught and ran out of Kane Williamson yesterday. You tell him. <laughs> and that's happened too. That's not, But then that's not even kids. That's just people on the street um, yeah. to do that. So, nah, it's, yeah, I guess it'll be interesting, you know, what take it is. Uh, I'd be interesting what Swanee is. Once you do retire, um, does it die die down? Does it you know, or is it still the same? Um, yeah, I guess it's depending on what you you do after cricket. Yeah, it, it's weird for me because a lot of my work's in India, so I'm not on TV in England as much. My little girl, who's five, who wasn't around when I was playing cricket, has no idea what Daddy does. No idea whatsoever. She's not put two and two together. She's living in happy la la land. It's brilliant. It's it's not a bad place to be. We're going to send her these clips. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ross, do you, I mean, it's inevitable that you're going to be asked about the R word, right? How do you fend it off? Is it something that you've even thought about? It doesn't have to be right now, but a couple of years ago, because you, listen, you went through a career changing eye surgery as well. There was a period where you're like, but things were really difficult. You, you know, you had to go through those sort of moments in your career as well. Yeah, I think I've always really enjoyed and, and loved playing cricket. Um, but no, probably the last, probably since the World Cup, um, you know, people wondering, is that the best time to retire? Um Things like that. I I think it's very cliche, but I think you know age is just a number. I think um, retirement is definitely um, in the back of your mind uh, as you just get up. You know, um, as you just get older. Um, but no, I think what I've lived by is that you're a long time retired, and as long as you still love the game and, and still want to improve um, and contribute in different ways, both on and off the field, um, and you're still good enough. Um, then continue to play. Uh, not necessarily just international cricket, it's just playing, whether it's county cricket, playing in 2020 leagues or playing domestic cricket at home. Um, yeah, I still, um, you know, I still love playing the game. But um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's definitely heading towards the, the latter part of my career and, and hopefully whatever happens over the next 12, 18, 24 months, um, you just enjoy the game of cricket for what it is. Um, and then join Swanee and, and Scotty and um, and I've always wanted to average 50 in test cricket um, and I can do that then. <laughs> Correct. And the best thing is, the, I mean, carry on playing as long as you can, definitely, but the second you retire, warm-ups are gone. That is the last warm-up you've ever done. <laughs> oh, jeepers. I, yeah, that's a, that's a very tempting I mean, thought. I, I hated one. That, that first hour before the day's play on day three when you fielded 100 overs and it's cold and it's wet. Right, boys, come on. Let's run <laughs> round some cones. Just like, oh, my God. Why? One of, the best things, one of the best things I've done in my career once Fleming retired was go to first slip. Um, that, makes, that makes cricket a lot easier. Um, so I better keep actually taking them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I mean, just from an outsider point of view and those that throw stats at you. So personally, you have great achievements as an international cricketer and you know, you've seen the rise and you're currently still very important member of this team. So what are your personal ambitions that are left? Because I know we have a World Test Championship final that is coming up right now. So that obviously has to be on your radar. Yeah, I think um, you talked before about the disappointment of uh, the 2019 World Cup, I never thought uh, we would even get another chance of uh, playing in another World Cup final, uh, let alone it be a, a test match and, and the first time that it's come about. So, um, yeah, I mean, life throws at you different challenges and, and, and things like that. Um, but no, if we can, you know, obviously to win a World Cup, um, I, you know, third time lucky, as they say, hopefully, hopefully that's correct. Um, but no, I think just trying to contribute to as many team team wins, um, score a few more runs, and and hopefully go out on a high and um, and enjoy my cricket. I think you know a lot of the time you the pressures you put on yourself um, can be a good motivation, but can sometimes hinder your performance as well. So you know if you can enjoy yourself as much as possible, um, and hopefully the right result can come about. Well, it's huge, Swanee, isn't it? The World Test Championship final. I mean, everyone's going to be watching. It's, you know, India, New Zealand. Um, incredible bunch of individual battles as well, Ross. I mean, if you weren't part of it, what would be the individual battle that you, individual battles rather that you're really, really keen to see? Um, 
I mean, the two skippers going at it, um, Williamson and Coley. I mean, two two of the Fab Four playing in a final. Um, Kane obviously had a taste of uh, the, the loss of, as captain, um, and Coley has, um, I think, yet to win a an ICC event. So you know, whoever you know, one of them is going to be lifting it. Uh, oh, I mean, there's a draw. There's no countbacks or boundary counts or things in this. I think it's just a draw. Um, sorry, that was my only little dig. Um, the, rules are rules, Ross. So written down before the tournament. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, and, and I didn't know about them either. Um, but uh, no, I think, you know, I think um, maybe I'm just trying to deflect away as a batter, but I think the battle of the fast bowlers is going to be fascinating. I think our fast bowlers um, have had, probably have a little bit more experience over here, but um, you know the way that the Indian fast bowlers um, and how they bowled and and a depleted bowling lineup at that, and, and still having success in Australia, I think you can't underestimate that. Yeah. Um, but the Duke ball is going to play its part. Um, we're, we're here at the Rose Bowl at the moment and watching a first class game. It just seems to. Swanee, he'd probably add a little bit more to this, but the ball, we, we make a lot of about the ball and the juke, and um, it'll be interesting what the what the 2021 ball is like, but it looked like it didn't swing as much up front, but once the lacquer was off, um, it started to swing a little bit. So uh, those little things that, you, I guess we have a little bit of a, an advantage having two um, test matches before that game. Um, that hopefully we can... Uh, get a little bit more of an insight than just bowling in the nets and, and having a practice game amongst ourselves. It's actually amazing when you mentioned the ball there because you've played so much, you you know this, the experience of every English Duke's ball is handmade and they are, they've had the little kite mark or whatever, but they've got a stamp on the year it was made. Yeah. And I always remember, I think 2011, the ball swung round corners. They were incredible. Um, the bowlers loved them. 2012 didn't. And so... We sent one of the England coaches to drive to the Duke's factory to go into the garage, to into the storeroom and find another batch of 2011 balls to then bring to the next test matches. And it, sure enough, these balls came out and they swung around corners. So they don't always move, but when they do, when they're dark and small and well-balanced, my word, they okay, swing man, around corners. 100%. And it's, it's funny. And that's what I mean by the two test matches. would be interesting to see if we can get some of that intel. But a, a similar story, but we were a bit late on it. it. Was 2008. We were wondering what's going on here. After about two overs, the England team always would throw the ball back to the umpire, and they were just trying to change the ball because the batch of balls in the um, umpire's shed was a 2007, and that was swinging around corners. But the 2008 <laughs> didn't do anything. So it wasn't until the last test that we had actually worked it out. But the series had gone by then. But um, you know those those little things. Um, Home, home experience, I, yeah. Home advantage, and and I think that's, um, I guess that's a the the, I guess it's unique, but also um, brilliant that it's a it's a final with two uh, two foreign teams um, in foreign conditions and a, and a different ball. I think that just adds a different dimension to it. I think that's what I like about it. In fact, it's so interesting that let's make this our Dare to Declare segment uh, sponsored by Betway because A, it is neutral. You know, you wanted to keep the venue as neutral as possible. The intriguing thing about this format as a fan that I just love is that it is about the sessions and you plan each and every session. So there's so many mini battles. It's not just individual, not just conditions. Uh, it is the individual performances as well. And personally, that's where you feel like the battle really could be won or lost. Is that how you would also view it, Ross? Because it's a combination of things that are going to play into this World Test Championship final. Yeah, I think um, it's like anything. I think the brilliance about Test cricket is the ebbs and flows over a long period of time. But as we've seen, teams can win and lose a Test match on one session. Um, so, I mean, conditions will play its part. Um, I guess we, once again, it's nice to be here and... Um, at, they just bowl to, to have a little bit of a, um, a look and be familiar. It's a bit strange. I can't say I've ever stayed at a cricket ground before um, to wake up and, and have a look. Um, there's actually a first-class game being played, but it's it's raining, so um, we won't be able to watch it. But no, I think all those little battles, um, even the battle of the, of the wicket keepers, the spinners as well. Do we play a spinner? Do we go out with a five, four fast bowlers and an all-rounder? Um, all the little things that um, just add add to what is going to be um, obviously a, 
a world first and a, and a World Cup final for Test Match Cricket, but um, just all the unknowns um, and uh, and I guess playing on foreign foreign conditions, as we keep saying, is to the team that, that learns the quickest and, and adapts quickly. Um, made the best team win. It's, it's a real shame he's not at Lords, but obviously with the pandemic and everything. But I tell you what, I think this is so evenly matched, this, uh, this Test final, because it, it, I think it will come down to the bowlers, whoever gets mastery of that Duke's ball, because there's a fine line between bowling with a swinging ball and being on the money. And we always used to do well against Australia when it swung, because their bowlers, as brilliant as they are with Cookerboroughs, like Mitchell Stark and Mitchell Johnson, when it was swinging, they just couldn't control it, couldn't start it off in the right place. The Kiwi seamers definitely can. I mean, they're absolutely legends with it. They're as good as anyone in the world. India seamers, I think it comes down to how well they adapt to how much it swings because they're not used to ball swinging as much as this will. So it, I think it's going to be a brilliant test final. I cannot wait for it. I'm so glad England aren't in it as well, because New Zealand deserve another crack, <laughs> and England would have won on camera. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, Ronnie. No, the, um, yeah, I, I think adding adding to, um, yeah, I think I'm with you. It would have been cool for it to be at Lords. I think the history and tradition of Lords, another five days, um, another six days of Lords lunches, um, exactly. would have been well really said. would have been would have been good as well but um, you know I can't really remember the ro- Rose Bowl's not too bad is it Niels maybe still can't, really, can't remember never I remember can't... eating at the Rose Bowl I was always out for very low scores and sold for change Well, since we're on the topic, let's get some quick fire predictions out there, uh, Ross. Anything that, you know, the first thing rather that comes to mind for you uh, regarding the World Test Championship final, uh, which is the Indian player that has impressed you the most in the last three years that will have a role to play? It's uh, a tough one. I think Bumra. I think Bumra, um, you know, has been outstanding in all formats of the game. Um, the Duke ball, I think you'll... Um, will enjoy bowling here. And I think if I remember rightly, he bowled really well against um, South Africa uh, in, the, in the World Cup here at, at the Rose Bowl. So, um, you know, we'll have to be on our, you know, as batters will, you know, be a key to to their whole bowling lineup, but uh, as Bummer especially. How many runs will Ross Taylor score in the World Test Championship final? Come on, come on. <laughs> Ross the boss, uh, Ross I'm, the boss. I'm, I'm self <laughs> I'm, s- okay. I'm selling See, myself. Can, this Swan. is a really unfair question. This is a really runs. unfair question. <laughs> That's fair Really enough. unfair because no sportsman is going to want to jinx themselves. So I will answer <laughs> this for you. He's going to get a solid 40 just slogging in the first innings of 30 balls. And then people back home will be saying he'll never make it, I'll, and he'll I'll get take, a brilliant hundred in the second innings. Maybe that's go. what. Maybe that's what. Uh, as long as we win, <laughs> uh, I'll go with that. Who? Okay, space or spin? Who will have a bigger role to play? We don't know yet, but play pace or spin in the World Test Championship final. I think pace is um, it's definitely going to it's definitely going to be given with the ball. But you know, if the wicket does flatten out, then you know the spinners. Um, will play a part. Uh, obviously, India have got two... It's not exactly 30 degrees outside at the moment. I'll tell you yeah. that. It's not going to be very <laughs> it's, dry. It's, it's not even 15 degrees here. Um, 14, no. 14 on the scoreboard. Um, but no, I think, you know, it's a, it's a month's time. Um, it'll be interesting, you know... I, yeah. I mean, Seam's got to play a big part, but how much uh, role will the spinner play in it? Well, I think, um, you know, the toss... And, and the two, what teams uh, select will will be uh, will give an insight into um, how the captains are thinking. The star for New Zealand in that World Test Championship final. Oh, um, I think um, I'm going to say Bolt, Trent Bolt. Bolt. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think that that um, that whole until we get down to Rish, Rashid Pant, um, you know, I think the. They're all right-handers, so I think um, Saudi and Kyle Jameson um, will will look forward to doing that. But I think you know he has it's his first test overseas. He hasn't played a test overseas, Kyle Jameson. So um, I'll say I'll say him. I mean, he, he's had a great start to his career with both bat and ball, um, but I'm sure his height, um, if the wickets do flatten flatten out, um, you know, will you know hopefully he can put the, the Indian batters under some pressure with his um, with his pace and bounce. 
Okay, and this this is just really to mess with everyone. But uh, if you could switch and bring two Indian players on board into that New Zealand team for the World Test Championship final, who would they be? Uh, Session Tendulkar and Dravid. I second that. Just so I don't have to bowl him. Saywag. I mean, any. You know, one of the things I do when I, I look back at the Indian team when I played against them, and at the time they were just India, and yeah, you you know they're they're, they're all good players and great players. When I look back at my first test, it was Saywag, Gambir, Dravid, Tendulkar, Vivius, Laxman, Dhoni. I mean, that's ridiculous. What a six! <laughs> I mean, how I got wickets against them, I'll never know. If I hadn't, I wouldn't be wouldn't be at all embarrassed. They're brilliant. Yeah. No. I mean, that's a yeah. I think, I think the teams are very evenly matched. But um, yeah, I think you could, you know, I think any of those players, and then the inside you could pull over and uh, would make a, a great contribution to our side. Oh, we're really looking forward to that, um, you know, World Test Championship final. But just on you, Ross, you've had this is 15 years and still going. You've had such incredible moments, and of course, you know, there the hundreds in every format and the hundred Test match and all these sort of moments in your career. But what has been your proudest? Is it the hundred test match? Is it something else? Um, yeah, I think um, I think test wins away are, are extra special. I think um, obviously the World Cup final. Uh, you know, all jokes aside, but I mean, it was great to be part of probably the best it, it best World, World Cup final in any format, um, and maybe the greatest one day game of all time as well. Just um, you know, I think something like something like that even though I don't want to watch it and, and things like that but you know I'm sure in time I'll um, watch it but that um, yeah I think overseas test wins and um, hopefully there's a, a, a few more um, proud moments uh, over the coming coming months or weeks um, that can add to that list and, and hopefully top You've had such extraordinary innings, you know, you've had one literally on one leg. Was it after your first ODI turn that you had to spend a night in the hospital? I don't know. You had all these sorts of very interesting moments uh, happen in your career. But are, are they, which are the kind of innings? And you've got to explain the hospital one to us, but which is the innings that really does stand out for you? Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the drip. Going on a drip after that, but that was probably just a bit of an experience and being too nervous to drink and um, and having two weeks. And back- being a batsman as well, let's yeah. face it, batsman is soft. Yeah. Going on a drip <laughs> after having a bat, trying was- to bowl in for one session. Oh, my word. I think we- I, don't- I don't know if it was the hydration part. I think it was more that I had two weak weeks um, and my body just shut down. Um, and things, so, yeah, no, I- I'll, take- I'll take that on the chin. Soft. Um, but um, better than swagger, yeah, huh? uh, yeah, 100, 100%. Um, wow, don't go there, that's just cruel. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, probably 290 at 290 at um, in Perth would, would be up there. I think um, I'd struggled. I just had an operation on my uh, testicles um, a month before then uh, in Zimbabwe so that was an eye opener having to come face Mitchell Johnson swinging the ball back at 145 um, <laughs> on the and, fastest week um, in the world <laughs> and was, um, so yeah it was I mean it was a flat wicket but um, you know it's funny that you say if it didn't bat as well as I did um, we probably would have lost the test match so I guess and in, in, add to it that you know, the testicle and then the, um, finding out about the eye the couple of days before, I think that oh, wow. probably okay. puts everything into context. Wow, that's that was a lot playing in your mind. Uh, I think, you know, Swanee, if we ask a lot of players this next question, quite a few of them might say Ross Taylor. So if Ross Taylor could come back as a different athlete, doesn't even have to be a cricketer, it could be a sportsman, sportswoman, who would you come back as? Any sport? Any sport. Any gender. Any it could sport. be anyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm probably of the generation. Uh, I, I love Michael Jordan. Um, we had we had lockdown and um, Netflix uh, docos on him yeah. came out. I think. Um, yeah, I know. He was an ultra competitive guy. I don't know if I liked him more or less Wasn't after he the. Just. Um, <laughs> he was pretty pretty ruthless. Um, you know, wanting to be the best. Um, but I think pure athleticism, um, the way he redefined the game um, and was loved all over the world, 
um, yeah, I think I would say um, Michael Jordan. You know what I loved about that documentary? Scotty Pippen's voice. I wanted to narrate my life in the film. I just go out and play my basketball every day. He was unbelievable in it. But he's a pundit. I'll tell you now, who, I always, who I think, if, if Ross Taylor came back, I think he'd be Michael Campbell, the golfer from New Zealand, because I swear you never see those two in the same room. Dude, um, I got, to, when I met Borny at IPL, he, he kept calling me Lewis Hamilton, so. Um, <laughs> and then, nah, I get Tiger Woods a lot. I don't know. I still don't see any of them, to be fair. So, I he- what is this about you and golf? I hear you're not, you don't have an inclination to it. You're forced into it. What's the scene there? Um, well, I just brought a brought a house over the road from a golf course oh, yeah. um, okay. in Hamilton. So, I feel like I have to. But, um, <laughs> Are of, you any good at it? Because of, um, no, no. Oh. I'm not. I've got a hand eye. I'm. I'm okay. I, I get the more Trust the better. Me, I've seen the way he hits yeah. a cricket ball. He'll hit a golf ball miles. That's um, how it works. Yeah. I. I've never. I've never brought my clubs. Um, and the boys hassle me because the last time I played with them, I was going round and taking the plastic off as um, as I was getting up to the ball. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. So if, if that gives you a little, I've I've got all the gear, um, mm. but I'm not very good. Um, but uh, now, you know, out here at the AGS Bowl. Just behind there's a golf course. Um, I, I thought, well, why not give it a go? And um, spend a bit of time. I couldn't think of worse things to doing than being able to play golf during quarantine. That's amazing. Ross, when so much of your life has been cricket and you've given so much to the game and, you know, have taken some back, um, what else do we need to know about Ross Taylor? What else makes you the person that you are today, if not cricket? No, I think you know. This pretty, pretty open book. Um, no, I, I, as I said, I, I love the game of cricket. Um, uh, you know, you're going to miss it when uh, when we finish up. But uh, no, I'm excited for the the next chapter and, and spending more time with the family and and things. And um, you know, getting into this wine, I think uh, we've stored it away, away enough. Um, it's aged well, so I think it's time to uh, to sample a few more and. Um, you know, have some family and friends and swan in yourself when you come over. There's uh, there's plenty here to uh, um, to not have one. I'm sure we can have a couple. Ross, thank you so much for that, for joining us. Looking forward to the coming years, uh, what, you know, you bring to the game and all the best for that. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Brilliant, Ross. Good luck as well, mate. Go well. Appreciate it. Take care. Don't run him out. Don't run the skipper out. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens oh no 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 it won't happen it won't happen oh. <laughs> I'm just standing on my back I'll just stay on my back <laughs> but all the best for the World Test Championship final we're all really looking forward to that should be good thank you so Swanee Ross the boss Taylor absolutely iconic you know uh, from the country of New Zealand the kind of player that he is but just I I Never get over just how down to earth people like him are, yeah. you know, for all that he's achieved. Absolutely. I told you he was a top bloke. And let's just say to whoever's booking our guests, they're having an absolute stormer. Because Ross is another one in the high pantheon of superstars we've had on. Uh, and that was brilliant. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, because I thought that was brilliant. He's very honest, very down to earth. He's as humble as he is nice. And I honestly, that story about when his hero's walking around the ground and he's trying to impress him and being written off as a as a dirty slogger to come back from that and end up with the career he's had brilliant well done Ross Taylor and go past Martin Crowe's record as well I mean that's a brilliant full circle moment if you think about it um, I just keep coming back to that word longevity because you've done it as well Sony when you played cricket for as long as you have and we're speaking to him about still playing the game that he loves you can see the passion is still there well absolutely I mean I wish I could have had his longevity I got to 34 and my arm fell off more or less so I would have given anything to be able to keep playing the game at his age and at his standard. Um, it's, he's just a, an impressive athlete, an impressive um, bloke, an impressive player, but not a golfer. Can you believe that? A cricket player who doesn't like golf. Unheard of. It is unheard of. Everyone loves golf. You're a bit of a golfer yourself, right? Yes, of course I am. 
Love it. Dancer, golfer, cricket commentator, television host. Stop it. I happen to be a test cricketer. We just keep lining them up, racking them up. No, but it was a great episode. Uh, Swani, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, to speak you. to Ross Taylor and learn so much from him. I mean, we're all just such fans of... Uh, Uh, what he's achieved and what he will continue to achieve looking forward to that world test championship for, uh, final and here on the players lounge podcast of course you can uh, subscribe to us uh, make sure that you listen to all our shows they will be online and uh, make sure that you enjoy these sort of conversations because Swanee will be here to entertain you every week with insight see you next time <laughs> bye guys Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 